because uh, again, people you meet in those technical committees, uh, the the friendships that you make in those committees, they go beyond just that, um, you know, the couple of times that you officially meet in a year and they go into, let's go out to have some dinner. Uh, let's, let's meet up after the expo. Let's all go hang out. You know, you, you really become friends, uh, which truly when you've bridged that gap of you're just business acquaintances, you're now friends. And that started because of a conversation at a committee at Arena. That's, that's when your network has really blossomed. You may know the American Railway Engineering and Maintenance of Way Association, or ARIMA, as the, quote, keepers of the manuals. You may know them as the, quote, people behind the largest annual railroad conference in North America. Heck, you may not know about ARIMA at all. This podcast is designed, no pun intended, to change your view of who ARIMA is and how ARIMA has changed the trajectory of many railway careers over its 100 plus year history. Welcome to Platform Chats with your host, Walt Blesser, where he takes a moment to discuss the impacts ARIMA has had on the very people who are proud to be called members. Are you ready to roll with ARIMA? This episode is brought to you by Underbridge Structures. Underbridge Structures provides mentorship and advisement to emerging technologies and early stage companies focused on infrastructure. They have a proven track record of bringing technology solutions to the railway industry. For more on Underbridge Structures, go to underbridgestructures.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of Arima's Platform Chats. Uh, very good news. The first episode had amazing response from not only North America, the United States, but the world. So we are officially international. And our last podcast, we had the outgoing president of ARIMA, Ed Sparks. And today, I am extremely excited to have someone who I think can potentially not only fill Ed's shoes, but surpass them. I have Erica Brunke, who is currently the vice president of training services at RailPros, which is based in Jacksonville, Florida. Erica, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. That introduction is uh, is daunting. My goodness. <laughs> well, with only two episodes in the wild, Erica, you've got a 50-50 chance to be a good one. Oh, heck yes. I like those and- <laughs> Erica, I'm stoked to have you. I was talking to you previously when the show started here, and uh, it's my understanding that you don't have an engineering degree. That would be correct. I am a, a prodigy of marketing. I am uh, oh. University of uh, Missouri in Columbia. And truth be told, going through school, I actually wanted to be a, I wanted to be a psychologist uh, and realized that really wasn't my, uh, my shtick anymore. Then I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a nurse. And then realized, oh, I am not as good with blood as I thought I was. And uh, then I thought business. You know what? That's a logical choice. I can do business uh, marketing. I like marketing. Graduated. And that is when I first then became aware that the railroad was a thing. Ah, I was just going to ask, using finite numbers, how many train sets do you have in your basement or house? (laughs) Uh, Well, at that point in my life, zero. Absolutely zero. Absolutely Um, zero. That may have grown a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. All right. So did your, was your dad a railroader or your, or your parents? 
You know, I uh, I did not realize that railroading was in my family until I accepted my first job. And that's when it kind of came out of the woodworks of, oh, yeah, you know, your your grandfather was a was a gandy dancer uh, and uh, your, your great great grandfather. You know, he was the, the chief engineer of the Pennsylvania Railroad. I'm like, how come I never knew any of this stuff? But uh, it is very much a part of my history, my track record. So I suppose it was a calling. There was something out there that was calling me to the railroad and it worked. <laughs> well, I appreciate using the term track record. Uh, I think all of our listeners will appreciate that. And I think we'll all appreciate that there's a long lineage there of, of railroading. So you went to University of Missouri, Columbia, which mm-hmm. I believe is smack dab in the middle of Missouri between Kansas City and St. Louis. And if uh, my map skills serve me correctly, that would put you west of the Mississippi River. Uh, which leaves a couple of large railroads uh, from the class one perspective. There's a Union Pacific and there's a BNSF. So when you graduated and you went into railroading, did you work for one of those? I did. I did. So uh, BNSF was uh, my very first gig, a longstanding gig, actually. And uh, they were at a career fair at University of Missouri. Uh, started talking with uh, one of the representatives there who actually was in the marketing department for BNSF, uh, Tim Williams. And we got to talk in, it seems like a really good career path, not just a first job. And I went through the whole interview process thinking the whole time that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be marketing. I'm going to end up in the marketing field. And after a, a very intense interview process, I, I might add, uh, Rightfully so. You know, you have to make sure it's the, the right candidate for the position I ultimately was given. Uh, but I went into the operation. I started off as a train master after completing their, uh, their very rigorous training of corporate management, corporate management training. Okay, so you became a train master. I did. So there's two things that are foreign to those of us as uh, the Arima has a very strong, uh, as you can probably understand, number of folks that are pure engineers. We got a lot of structural engineers. We got a lot of civil engineers. We got mechanicals, electricals. Um, This might come as a giant surprise to you, but engineers tend to not go outside their engineering box too much. I'm included in there. And so things like the word marketing. uh, So you're telling me that the railroad has to do marketing. This is exciting for me. And you're telling me that you were a train master. So let's expand upon... um, what it entails to be a train master at BNSF. All right. So in, in layman's terms, if you will, a train master is frontline supervisor. Uh, so the, all of the, the amazing folks that actually make the trains go, the engineers, the conductors, uh, the yard masters, the dispatchers, um, utility workers, all that are in, uh, in the field environment, making the trains, getting and taking them to their final destination, I had the, the distinct pleasure of, of stepping into a role that was their boss. And of course, you know, here I am, this little 20-something female fresh out of college, now stepping into the role of your boss. And I heard it all of the time. It became almost an endearing thing of, you know what? I've been railroading longer than you've been alive. Uh, actually, yes, that is true. Uh, so I think I have a lot to learn. Let's, let's create a partnership here. You help me. I'll help you show me the ropes. And it uh, long that, that then became a, a beautiful friendship with a lot of folks. And I think 
most of the people that I, uh, I had oversight to in those early days realized I wasn't here to ruin their life. I wasn't there to, to, to step into the role of a dictator by any sense. I really honestly wanted to learn. And it was the definite take under the wing and away I went. And I am extremely grateful for all those folks out there that did, in fact, do that and didn't make my life a, a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Well, let's, let's talk about that real quick. You, uh, How does one come into a situation like that, understanding the legacy that is railroading, understanding that 150-year history, uh, let's not beat around the bush, it's, it's, it's a relatively male-dominated industry for many years. You came in as a young female with a marketing degree. What advice would you give for someone that's in a similar situation, uh, entering the industry as a young female? How, how do you garner that respect? How do you... How do you come in and, and befriend that guy that's, you know, 60 plus years old, getting ready to retire, uh, so on and so forth? No, great, great question. Uh, first and foremost, I would say come in, just open eyes, uh, respecting that history and completely understanding that there is a lot of things that have been going on that you cannot change. You will not change. You just have to understand where and why those came to be uh, and understand what your purpose is there. It's, it's not to manage anybody. It's to lead a group of people. Uh, let them show you what their skill set is. Let them show you what they have the ability to do. And you just pave the way for them. You know, what barriers are in place? What challenges are you facing? Let me take care of those for you so that you can do your job the best of your ability. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always came back to is just don't be a jerk. <laughs> don't be a jerk. And I think that goes back to kindergarten, right? But uh, it's always something you need to keep in mind. Oh, I could not agree with that more. I And it looks like you took a page right out of the old LinkedIn memes that I see floating around of a great leader will surround themselves with even smarter people and then just get out of their way. Uh, I think that's a fantastic take there. And uh, being polite, even in 2021... Uh, can go a long way. So, so you're at BNSF. Uh, let's talk about that for real quick. You were in 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 uh, Columbia. So, where did you start? Uh, did you start in Kansas City or Fort Worth? I know they've got big offices in both locations. So the the official training period, uh, I bounced between Fort Worth and the the headquarters there and the training facility in Overland Park, Kansas. So uh, between. Uh, all of the different uh, skill sets and rule bases and processes that we we had to become familiar with, you know, certainly in a you know that short time frame, you didn't learn it, but you became familiar with it and how to reference what you needed to. Uh, that was about fifteen weeks worth of training. Wow! And after that training was finished, and uh, the awesome opportunity to do a cross country train ride, uh, which was probably one of the the best pieces of that entire training experience. I was placed in Seattle and away I went. Never had been to Seattle before. Uh, it was, at first I was a little concerned, wait, doesn't it rain there a lot? This is going to be really gloomy. It's going to be sad. It's false. It's false. Seattle is <laughs> Seattle is gorgeous. Summers in Seattle are fantastic. So d you stayed in Seattle for the whole time or did, did BNSF continue to move you around? Uh, I, you know, I think that there is a, image, uh, or potentially, uh, an assumption made by those in college. I know it, it was for me that 
if you were to take a job with a class one railroad, there is a significant chance of having to uproot your family and move around the country a lot. Uh, that may be true. That may be false. And, you know, can you speak to that? Would you say that's for, for everyone? Or would you say that's what you experienced or is it somewhere in between? You know, I would say it, it really is up to the individual what path they want to take. But if, if you are in the operation side of railroading, the field-based side of railroading, there is a very high likelihood that you are going to be moved uh, all over, wherever you're needed, wherever your skill sets are seen as providing value. Uh, and of course, you only hope that as you are moved, that you are being promoted throughout that same process. But again, it's, it's where your skill set is needed. Um, if the field is not right for you, if the operation side is not right for you, there is a whole host of other aspects of railroading uh, that you can get into and, and you can get a little bit more rooted uh, at a headquarter location. So I would, I would advise anyone looking at the railroad industry, don't, don't be scared of it or afraid of it or maybe even shy away from it because of that, uh, that travel uh, piece, that field-based piece, because uh, there's so much more to it than that. Okay. And so did you live in, so right now you're, you're in Jacksonville with rail pros. Where were you between Seattle and Jacksonville? Uh, everywhere in between, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was open to, uh, to moving around. It was right for my family, uh, my husband and I, it, uh, it worked well. We were up for the adventure and I, I suppose I was good at railroading. So uh, the opportunity was there. So I started in Seattle, um, you know, moonlighted a little bit there as a terminal manager, uh, not in the official title, but I was able to do and serve that desk, if you will. Uh, that was probably about three years. And then uh, an opportunity came up in Billings, Montana, as the division safety manager. And uh, at the time, that was a natural progression for a, a train master was to experience a safety role so that you could truly come to understand uh you know, really how everything blended together, the operation and safety. This is how your messages should be blending together. Uh, I was in Montana for uh, just over two years. And uh, I think I saw every nook and cranny of that territory. Uh, and again, had never visited that state, that territory, any of those cities or villages. <laughs> Uh, and, and never would have even thought to go there. So I am extremely honored uh, to have lived in such a, a gorgeous part of our country. Again, I've been super, super lucky with the places I've lived. Uh, after serving uh, in that position for, again, just over two years, uh, a position came up at headquarters uh, in Fort Worth. And I moved down to uh, uh, to the, uh, the ivory towers, everyone called it in the field. <laughs> But uh, I absolutely loved it at uh, headquarters. You really got to see how all of the different business units came together to then actually create the operation that you saw on the field. Uh, so it was a, a really great blending of, uh, of experiences, but stayed in, in Fort Worth then for the remainder of my career with BNSF. What was that? Roughly five, five additional years there. And I started as a a senior manager of, uh, of system safety and worked up to the director role of the same title. And uh, I really got to see not just what I had been doing in Montana as a division focused safety approach, but now it was system focused 
what are some of the processes and procedures that everybody in a railroad needs to know and understand and how do you best communicate that to them? And uh, I came into that position at a really cool time for BNSF. They were exploring behavior-based safety and I got to be a part of the team that led the initiative called Approaching Others. And it was one heck of an experience. Um, you know, I got exposure to media and film production in that role. I got exposure to all of the different business units uh, within the, the operation, intermodal, automotive, telecom, signal, all of the groups that support the operation, big three. And um, yeah, it, it was a, a life-changing experience. And then Real Pros came knocking on my door. Hang on now, before we get into Real Pros, the, I, I, if my short-term memory serves me correctly, which as I age is starting to give up on me, uh, you did mention pursuing potentially a psychology degree in college. Yes. And now you are doing behavior-based safety. Can you just, that had to kind of tickle your fancy, yeah? Oh my goodness, yes. It, uh, okay. It was absolutely a, you know, a, a match made in heaven, truly. And that is when my real passion for, for a focus on safety truly blossomed. That everything I learned in college, psychology, marketing, all of it applied to safety. Uh, no, I didn't have the traditional you know, uh, occupational health and safety degree, but you can learn those components uh, by being immersed in that world. Understanding how you get people to apply those practices is an entirely different ballgame. You have to be able to relate to individuals and understand what is your motivation. If you're electing to perform something at risk or unsafe, why would you do that? Naturally, no one wants to hurt themselves. So what is the motivator behind that? And you're absolutely right. The psychology in me just went into overdrive of, all right, let's get in there. Let's figure out what's going on. (laughs) And if you're doing your job right, you would never have to lean into the nursing part of your uh, college career, correct? Which again, I was not very good at. So. <laughs> so so that works out. Yeah. I mean, safety is paramount in our industry. Uh, we work in what I would consider to be a very uh, dangerous industry, uh, unfortunately. And uh, the trains and, and being near track or fouling track, if you're an inspector, if you're a bridge guy, if you're on, if you're working in a yard, especially, wow. Um, the safety... Uh, procedures are, you know, well, again, they're paramount. And so your job, uh, I would assume, uh, was not taken lightly. No, it, it, it certainly was not. And I, you know, to your earlier comment, I had a fantastic team uh, that supported these initiatives. And, you know, the bigger team you could get behind it and the more you could really connect with those that were in the field. And I, again, was super thankful to have had that experience in the field. Uh, it, it does give you a bit of street cred. Um, you know, once you've been out there, experienced it, seen it, done it. Yeah. I've been in the, you know, negative 40 degree weather in the snow in the middle of the night. Yes. I've had to work the 12 on 12 off. I've been there. Yes. I've had to respond to a derailment and, and worse. Um, but because of all of that is, is why I was able, I, I believe, uh, to connect so well with the end users of all of the, the programs and products we were making. And so how much before, again, we're about to make a career transition here, but how much did you use that marketing degree from uh, University of Missouri? It sounds like a little bit of on the job training was required here. And 
and you learned most of everything you've done post-college, yeah? You know, it is it is a, a funny thing. Yes, uh, is the direct answer to that. Uh, most of what I learned in college, I really never have utilized since. Uh, so it really was just a piece of paper uh, that, that got me in the door to a career path that was truly inspiring and fascinating. So to that point, I would, you know, I would, uh, you know, talk to the folks out there that if you don't have a college degree, if you haven't pursued something like that, again, don't shy away from, uh, from this industry. The, the trade crafts are incredibly valuable to the rail industry. And just because you don't have a degree does not mean you cannot uh, become a part of this industry. You very much are needed, welcomed, and as you, if you find the right mentors, if you find your right path, that paper doesn't necessarily matter. Ah, uh, I yes. Uh, if I was in church right now, I'd say amen. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, you know, railroading is not going to be learned in a book. It's not going to be learned in a four or five year, eight year degree. Um, the majority of my mentors, two of them, I think, had high school educations in the field, and and they to this day still know more about uh, the structures we were working on than, than anybody out there that had a PhD and was making finite element models their whole life. It was, it's just a different life experience. All right, we're going to make a jump. You left. Right, you loved your job so much at BNSF. You said, I'm leaving and I'm going to Jacksonville, Florida to work for rail pros. I, I'll be honest with you, Erica. I don't know much about rail pros. Well, uh, at the time I did not either. Um, you know, it uh, truly everything outside of railroading itself, the actual railroads, uh, I was, uh, they were very foreign to me. You know, obviously there were other groups that came in to help with construction, to help support. Uh, I knew of the, um, the contractor approval process that BNSF had, but it, it really never, I never really looked into the other groups out there. Uh, but holy moly, the rail industry is so much larger than I even realized uh, in my my time with BNSF. So rail pros uh, at the time had uh, just acquired a training organization, uh, RWT, and a media company, Focal Point. Um, their previous lineage uh, ha- traces back to R.J. Corman, who took great care of them. Uh, but uh, rail pros saw an opportunity. Uh, brought them in-house and wanted to find the appropriate person to kind of lead and grow and, and expand that business. So uh, cue me. Um, you know, I know uh, I know some folks always uh, like to ask the question, you know, your career path, you know, is it self-driven? Was, was there mentorship there? How did you, how did you find a way? And really this connection is because of a mentor. Uh, back at uh, BNSF, going all the way back to Montana, a gentleman by the name of Jim Weber uh, was part of the system safety team and brought me into the world that is safety and everything that is just beyond what I was seeing in the field as a, a young railroader. He goes, welcome to the world of safety. Here is everything that it truly is. And you know, fast forward, now here we are back to uh, the Rail Pros days. Jim Weber had actually recommended me uh, to, uh, you know, to the groups at, at Rail Pros there is, you know what, you know, I know she's very happy with BNSF. I know, uh, you know, she is loving what she's doing, but, you know, maybe a phone call, you know, just, just see if she's interested, see if this is something that might be mutually you know, beneficial. 
And uh, Johnny Johnson, uh, the founder, one of the founders of RailPros is who reached out to me. And we had just a, a quick little chit chat at a Starbucks one day and the rest is history. Um, still absolutely love BNSF and have, have nothing but amazing things to say about my time there. And they are 100% the reason I am who I am today. Uh, but this, this next step, I think, really helped to change and develop me into the true railroader I am today, the more well-rounded. Uh, and uh, I guess I see a little bit more today, uh, more of the business side of things than I had before, which is extremely helpful. Okay, so I, the only thing I heard you say there that, that was not 100% accurate is you said your time at BNSF is what made you uh, 100% of what you are today, but let's call that 96%. Let's talk about the 4% that Arima played <laughs> in in making you who you are today. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, as you know, I am a director of... Uh, on the board for ARIMA and I represent the structures functional group, which uh, is most likely a section in the MRE or the manual for railway engineering that you probably haven't fingered through any time. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, I'd like you to start with chapter seven. Excellent. And then hit eight, 10, uh, 15 or nine, 15. uh, And uh, we've also got one on scales and I'd like you, uh, Get me a memo by Friday as to oh, what you thought. Riveting. I am excited. And I appreciate, and so do as everyone in the structures functional group that you just use the term riveting. Hey oh. Hey All right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about professional development. I, I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of organizations out there. Uh, it's my understanding you're active in ARIMA. You're active in uh, the NRC, which is the National Railroad Construction and Maintenance Association. Uh, you're active in the League of Railway women, which I will just tell you straight up, I am not. And you're also active in the American Short Line and Regional Railroad Association. So you got a lot of associations there, but as you know, this is the ARIMA podcast. I would like you to just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how did you get involved in ARIMA? Was it your mentor or did you receive an email? What drove you to, to join ARIMA? And then from there, uh, it's my understanding you're on committee 24. What what made you select committee 24? Based it, it, was it based on your safety background or kind of kind of talk me through that? Excellent. So a, a lot of really great uh, great questions there. So uh, what got me interested in Arima? Um, so recognizing my new role and my new position at RailPros, I knew I had to learn fast. That. Uh, I was now in a in a pool uh, with with little floaties on that I, I needed to uh, start swimming very quickly in. So where better to learn and get immersed into the world of uh, construction, project management, uh, engineering support, design, all of that, than a group like Arima. And it was in 2019. Um, September 2019, the conference, the annual conference in Minneapolis that I literally just strolled into committee 24's meeting. Uh, An old acquaintance of mine, Megan McIntyre from BNSF at the time, uh, was in the meeting and I knew she was there and I was like, hey, what's going on? Where are you? She goes, hey, come on down. Let's uh, just check it out, see what's going on. So I waltzed in, sat down, and it has been a warm welcome ever since. 
Uh, I knew Committee 24, uh, you know, what its purpose was, education and training. I knew I wanted to be uh, associated with that given my new role. You know, I am training services. It only makes logic, logic sense. Um, yeah, I, I just waltzed in, sat down, started listening what they were doing, uh, what they were a part of, uh, asked how I could help, you know, what groups they needed additional support in, and truly the rest is history. And, you know, I'll offer, you know, that might be a bold move, <laughs> just walking into a group you've never met before. Um, but that's, that is, that is, I had no, I had no issue with that. I don't know. It's, I wanted to be a part of the group. So I wanted to show this group who I was and what value I could add and no better way to do that than just showing up and being a part of it. Uh, yes, there is an application process, which I did end up following, <laughs> but uh, that was after they had met me and um, saw the potential that I could bring. Okay. So you joined Arima. What, what year was that? Uh, so Rail Pros at Large is, uh, has been a member with Arima for a very long time. So I officially began my partnership uh, back in 2019. Okay. So you're a bit of a newbie. I am. I am a newbie that does not come from engineering. <laughs> a newbie not from engineering. So let's talk about those other organizations briefly, mm-hmm. just so our listeners understand what those are. And, and if you could just differentiate those from Arima in your own words. Sure. So a lot of these groups really support each other and and offer uh, some really great insight or extensions to, I think, what Arima has to offer. Um, it was after I, I met a lot of really great folks at Arima in 2019, uh, as well as earlier that same year, I had attended the Shortline Conference in Orlando, uh, which is the annual ASLRRA event. Um, there, I'll start with that one. Um, I had been introduced to the Young Professionals Committee um, and really got to come to understand, all right, if I'm stepping into this supplier world, uh, who are some people uh, that I need to to get to know? Uh, What are some organizations or committees that I need to come to understand? So that initial welcome, uh, again, you know, I I just had a friend, uh, Michelle Malski, that I walked into a, the Young Professionals Committee meeting with and open arms, they welcomed me in. That combined with ARIMA uh, that same year showcased all of the different paths that I should really you know, look into. Uh, the NRC uh, was the next one that I went to uh, that uh, beginning of 2020. Oh, 2020. <laughs> um, really came to understand what that group was about. And that group, uh, I think, Kind of elevates uh, the uh, the what is learned at Arima, what is learned at the short lines. It really gets you directly connected to the leaderships of all of these different groups and suppliers and contractors that uh, come together to to serve this great purpose. Uh, and uh, as I know that the audience knows, the NRC is the first event that happens every year, so it really helps to set the stage and the tone for what does this year look like? What should we be investing in? What pathway should we be looking at? Uh, which again, you know, Rima at the somewhat end of the year is a nice sandwich uh, to, to what goes on in a year. League of Railway Women is one I am uh, uh, most new to, I would say. Um, and it is a great extension, again, off of groups like Arima, Shortline, NRC, to get you directly connected into a industry-specific and like-minded group of ladies. Not saying everybody that joins the league is a, is a lady. You can certainly uh, join by, you know, for whatever means. Uh, 
but it's a great pool of people, a great resource uh, to have some very direct, frank, and specific conversations with. Um, so I've I've been extremely thankful of how, again, welcoming all of these groups have been uh, to anybody that wants to learn, to anybody that wants to network and really grow your you, I guess is even a great way to put it, grow yourself. All of these groups are, are excellent to become a part of. And you don't need to show favoritism to one or another. Yes, this is an Arima podcast. Yes. <laughs> However, you know, it's the people you meet with Arima, you will meet in other facets as well. So it's, it's a really great family. Rail really is, it's a huge industry, but it's so small. It's, it's so small and very familiar. But you're right. It is the Arima podcast, and, and and that brings me to probably my my favorite question of the of the hour. Uh, you know, of all these organizations, NRC, LRW, ASLRA, Arima. So, of all these organizations you're involved with, which of them would you say is the best, and why is that Arima? Oh boy. <laughs> I like, how, I like how you fed that question with why is it Arima? <laughs> um, what, what is it about, you know, you, I like how you, you, you've talked a lot about, I mean, let me just tell you this. I've been a member of Arima for, I hate to say it, but almost 20 years. Um, you know, your perspective is so different than mine that it's refreshing. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at that perspective of, uh, man, woman, whatever, in a cubicle, in a job. Um, right now, they're they're two or three years out of school. They're in the industry. Maybe they're a consultant. Maybe they're a supplier. Maybe maybe they work for BNSF because it sounds like you didn't join these organizations till after. So, right now, just you know, give me your take on what do you you're going to look that person in the eye and explain to them why they should buck up that whatever the membership fee is and, and potentially even join a technical committee. And, and why would you join a technical committee? Because again, you can be an ARIMA member, right? And you can attend the big show every fall without being a technical committee member. So what are you going to say to that individual? I like this. I like this question a lot. So to my earlier comment about it, it's my, it was a very bold move of me to just march into a, a technical committee meeting without even truly knowing what Arima was at the time. <laughs> but um, looking at everything you just mentioned there, how well-rounded um, Arima's offerings are, you can start dabbling in the world of Arima as a student, you know, still in school. You can come to understand what what is this world and you know what avenue do I want to take. Uh, naturally, you know, engineering is going to be the, the inclination there, but there's there's so many other routes that uh, that you can become a part of. So the student chapters and uh, you know becoming involved at, at that point is really is really cool. Uh, and I will say that is something that not a lot of the other associations do that Arima does. They they reach into the pool before they are uh, you know actively searching for uh, for employment. Uh, once you've you know got your job, you know they give you a lot of uh, a lot of similar resources, um, interview assistance, um, you know resume checks. Uh, again, looking into the committee twenty four pool of talent that uh, uh, I work with, um, it really helps to get you comfortable and get you get the stage set for you now that you are fresh talent in the industry. 
And what do you want to learn about? You want to learn about structures? Well, we got a guy for you. <laughs> we'll send him your way, Walt. I have them, you know, have them go spend some time on the committee. Um, but the technical committees is, in my opinion, it's a way to start giving back. That the rail, particularly in my case, the rail industry did so much for me. I really wanted to find a way to start giving back. And the technical committees are a perfect way to do that. Whether you can just donate your knowledge uh, or you donate your time, a skill set, uh, any of that, uh, an idea even, the technical committees are a place for you to do that. And as you said, you know, you can just uh, pay the membership and, and just kind of float on by and you do get a lot of great resources, uh, access to, uh, to webinars, to podcasts, uh, to uh, the annual conference, um, to all kinds of great resources, but to really make the most of your investment, uh, you should you should become involved. And if if you take my path and at your very first conference, you just every class that's going on, every web or every uh, webinar, oh, goodness, 2020 has gotten my brain. <laughs> We're gonna be back live sometime. We are. We are. I, I hope we are. I I, I have a feeling that uh Real fans at sporting events have got to be better than posters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just like, you know, the virtual webinars that Arima has done and others have done, they've been really great. And I, I applaud the groups that were so quick on their feet to, to shift. Um, great to have those resources for as long as we do. You know, I just got the reminder the other day of, hey, you were part of 2020, the virtual conference, the resource is still there. Go get it. Um but yes, uh, it would be fantastic. Will will be fantastic when we're back in action all together and uh, can mix and mingle again. Because uh, again, people you meet in those technical committees, uh, the the friendships that you make in those committees, they go beyond just that. Um, you know, the couple of times that you officially meet in a year, and they go into let's go out to have some dinner. Uh, let's let's meet up after the expo. Let's all go hang out. You know you. You really become friends, uh, which truly when you bridge that gap of you're just business acquaintances, you're now friends. And that started because of a conversation at a committee at Arima. That's that's when your network has really blossomed. Oh, I that's a fantastic. I, I don't even know how to follow that. That's I, I agree with you. Um, that's been my experience. Uh, I feel like the membership or the relationships I've made through Arima really have a lot of them have blossomed into friendships. At least I think so. Maybe I don't know. That could be a one, a very one-sided <laughs> conversation. Yeah. But um, no, you're right. And, and I think that's where the theme of this podcast and the theme of what I'm trying to, uh, to help deliver to people is that once again, you know, Arima, it's a great vessel for learning you really hit it the nail on the head about learning. It's a great opportunity to give back and it's an, it's a tremendous opportunity to make what I would consider lifelong friendships that tend to span, no pun intended, the gaps between working for BNSF, working for rail pros, uh, you know, working for a large consulting agency, whatever that may be. Uh, that's been my experience. It's it's really, <clears throat> excuse me, it's really helped me because when you walk in that conference room, uh, you know, Megan McIntyre, you mentioned her as your friend. Uh, you said she worked for BNSF. Where is she now? Do you know? 
Is she still there? Or? She's now with a Sound Transit, I believe, in a Seattle. Okay. Very perfect example. So if you were to pick up the phone in a situation where Sound Transit might want to hire rail pros, there's something tells me she would be very comfortable answering that call. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a, a great framework to set up there that as long as going back to my earlier comment, you've not been a jerk. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is an underlying theme that exactly. must, I, I like to use the term, you know, I won't, I won't use that on this podcast, but yes, <laughs> don't be a jerk. Exactly. Don't be a jerk. Stand behind your word, do what you say you're going to do. And as long as I have actually done that, I'd like to think that, yes, you know, past relationships like Megan, if I see an opportunity for us to partner, for real pros to come in and support on any construction project or, or design work, utility permitting, flagging, any, any of those great resources that real pros has, you know, we, we would be a good choice uh, because Megan knows who I am. Uh, Megan knows what I stand for. And that certainly I wouldn't work for a company that uh, didn't match that. Yeah. It kind of comes down to, to your values. I, you know, I, I would really like to go out on a high note here. I think that little soundbite is the best thing we've talked about. Um, is there any other benefits for women who join Arima specifically at large conferences. I am thinking of one. I was told that short bathroom lines is a true thing. <laughs> uh, that, that is not a lie. That is uh, very true that, uh, you know, we, we can all relate to our personal lives, concerts and everything. The women's bathroom line is always a mile long. Well, Hey, at Arima, uh, the one perk is the, the women's bathroom line is short. <laughs> Well, here's hoping for short bathroom lines next fall. I know this fall, it's, uh, let's see, fall 21 has been canceled. Unfortunately, they made that announcement that the uh, railway interchange has been postponed. So I guess we're going to have to hope for fall of 2022 for the big mm -hmm. show. And uh, But, you know, here's my hope is that we're going to have in-person committee meetings soon. And it uh, sounds like you would be a great person to reach out to if anyone's listening uh, to talk to about Committee 24, uh, to talk to about uh, safety in the industry. Um, you have been a phenomenal guest, and I just want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you are the second guest, but you're not number two. So I will tell Ed that. And, uh, <laughs> and I think he'll have, he'll have a general understanding. So <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Walt. This has been, uh, this has been a blast uh, to all those out there listening. I, I hope that uh, something I, I offered uh, resonates with you by all means, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk through more of my, my experience in the industry, past, present, future, any of it. Um, I, I love this industry and it has, it has done very well by me. Outstanding. Well, thanks again. And I hope to see you at the next conference. Thank you for rolling with Arima on today's episode of Platform Chats. For further information about Arima, please visit arema.org or contact us at info at arema.org. <laughs>